Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. Victory Over Sin, and my name is Mark Rennick. Good afternoon. I hope all things are well with you this week. It was a good week for Victory Over Sin radio show and the systemic change of Idaho. We had our first listening forum held at uh, St. Vincent de Paul's Food Bank slash, uh, I guess you'd call it their dinner event place area. where They're over there on Overland where they meet every week. They actually do free meals there several nights a week, four nights a week. And we had the facility on Wednesday night. We had a really good turnout, and I first and foremost want to thank people who showed up. We had probably over 93 people there. That was real powerful to see that many people show up on a rainy Wednesday night. We met some new friends. We saw some old acquaintances, uh, and it was very powerful. I was impressed and kind of humbled by some of the people who did show up. We had people from the Department of Corrections and some people from the Department of Labor, several other state agencies, some other funding sources, too. But the most important bulk of the people there were people like like me who had been in the system and who were there to actually affect some change. And so that was very, very, very powerful. I want to thank all those people who did show up and um, congratulate the people who uh, are starting to get involved with what we're attempting to do. And um, we're excited about it. So basically what Systemic Change of Idaho is, is an energy or an effort funded by uh, a group back in the eastern part of the United States affiliated with St. Vincent de Paul and funneled through the Southwest Council of St. Vincent de Paul. And we've entitled that entity Systemic Change of Idaho. They've done five states in the nation and the sixth state that they've uh, chose to get involved with is Idaho. And that, effort, that energy is called the Systemic Change of Idaho. So what are we going to do with all this? Well, first, the big night was the, certainly this week where we kicked off and we were listening to what issues affect people who have been in the system. So we were gathering information primarily on Wednesday night. We sat in tables. We had a person from each of the steering committee uh, sit at each table to take the notes. And what we were after was to see what issues affect people who have been or who are on parole currently or who have been on parole and what hardships they ran across. Hopefully, we've, we did gain some information that will add to the information that we've already put together, and we're going to compile that and come up with a plan in terms of attacking or educating Idaho about those issues. We're going to do that in a way that incorporates the people who were there, hopefully. Hopefully, some of those people who were there got excited about what we're going to do. We're going to take people who have been in the system, and we're going to say to them, Help us do this. This is what we've put together. We've identified these five, let's say, key issues. And then we're going to put together a real professional PowerPoint situation with some videos. And then we're going to develop a speakers bureau. And the people who are there and the people who want to be there will be those speakers. And then they will go out to groups across Idaho, certainly starting in the Treasure Valley, to go to churches, go to nonprofits, go to service groups, go to businesses that want to know information about getting involved with um, Offenders, people returning back from the community that we like to call returning citizens. An example of that would be this week where we actually were called to a short meeting with a group that is looking to um, attract people who have been incarcerated 
to encourage them to apply for small business loans. So that's an important aspect. Those kinds of things will happen. What we're seeing in some ways is the fact that we as returning citizens are becoming that group that's focused on in terms of maybe targeting some money for us. So that's good. That empowers us. That gets us up and going and gathering our strength as we go forward. Uh, And that's basically what we were attempting to do on Wednesday night. It was a huge success. I want to thank Mr. Mike Gallagher, who has been the past president of the Southwest Council for uh, St. Vincent de Paul, and uh, Sam, who put on a fantastic meal. We had 30 minutes. We got to sit down and have a nice chicken dinner, and everybody shared and uh, certainly interacted and socialized before we got going, and it was a very powerful event. So hopefully what happens out of this, too, is as I talk about, if we're going to liken it to um, there's a movement underfoot through a lot of the wellness centers across the state in terms of saying that if you liken it to somebody that's in addiction, there are, I don't know whether people know this or not, but there are 39 million people who are in active recovery over their addiction. That's a very powerful force. And what they've done is to enable that force to come forward and be a prominent kind of feature in terms of getting their voice heard. And that's exactly what we want to do with people who have been incarcerated. We want them to come forward and say, hey, you know what? I was incarcerated, and I'm doing okay, or I'm doing this way, and I'm struggling with this, and you need to know about that. You become that active voice. This works, if you will, as you go forward and share the passion of what you believe, what you've been through, and that you've overcome it. People don't know about the statistics that we talk about on this show on a weekly basis. They don't know the fact that one out of 18 adults in the state of Idaho— one out of every 18 adults in the state of Idaho is either incarcerated, on probation, or on parole. Nobody really realizes that. Nobody realizes that, as former director uh, Kevin Kemp said, 97% of the people who are out in the desert will be out. They'll be your neighbors. So let's start working with them, and let's start hanging around with them, and let's start making sure that as they transition back into community, that we're ready for them. So that's the most important thing that we're attempting to do and to, to go forward. Uh, with that program. Uh, again, this empowerment, I think, is the stump, something that can really happen, and it can be something that can be very effective, because when you're passionate about something, you believe in something, then you go forward and you're, you're strong. You feel good about everything. So with that, we're going to talk about some of the character aspects of this. It's not that you have to be a perfect person, but you are an example. And so what we're going to do now is take a break and talk to my friend on tape, uh, who did a sermon on pretty much some of the issues about being a good Christian, and we're a Christian radio station. Not that everybody that has to help us with our effort needs to be Christian per se, but it helps if you have some of those tendencies. And Jim Atkins is going to talk a little bit here about being that perfect person as they go forward. Quite frankly, if we see ourselves or if we see someone else as a Christian that's not experiencing this change of life, then there needs to be something... uh, maybe lovingly spoken to that person, one Christian to another, to say, you know, I'm not trying to pass judgment on you or whatever, but uh, you're claiming to be a Christian, and yet you're, you're still living this way. And, and, and that really raises doubt. And that really raises a question about what kind of life are you living? Are you really living a life right with God or not? And so, these kind of things could be important if you have a friend, let's say, that you're close enough to, and you see this kind of a discrepancy in their life, 
then one of the best things that you could ever do would be lovingly help that person understand. You're living in a way here that, that, is, that is arguing against your faith. It, this way you're living here in this certain area is arguing more for you being a lost person than a Christian. And not only is this hurting you, not only is it hurting God, but it's hurting the kingdom of God. And it's hurting those around you who see you claiming to be a Christian, but not living like one. And, uh, and this is important because there are people that will be brought to Christ or will not be brought to Christ simply because of the way you and I as those who proclaim to be Christians live. And that's a fact. If you and I who claim to be Christians and go to church and, 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 and claim to be right with God, if we are not living lives any different from the lost, then we're going to do more harm for God and His kingdom than we're going to do good. We're going to have a, a negative impact in the lives of those around us instead of a positive impact moving them uh, and drawing them to Christ. And this is an important thing. And, uh, and hopefully, as Christians, we're always mindful of that. I, I can remember uh, some people that I was seeking to reach out to in the, in the bike world back when, in, in the first of uh, the second pastorate that Pauline and I were in. And uh, there was this one fellow who, uh, in fact, he died a week or so ago, but he made an agreement with me that uh, every Saturday I would ride dirt bikes with him, he would come to church. And so we had this agreement. So when I could get a Saturday away and we'd go out and ride, uh, then he'd show up at church the next day. And uh, that's what it took to get him to come. And uh, But the, the point was, he would come to me sometimes and he would see people in the community that he knew was actively involved in our church. And one person in particular who was a deacon at the church, he sang in the choir, he was there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. Yet this person I was trying to influence for Christ was being turned off by this particular fellow in church. Because he said, you should hear him and you should see him and how he acts and how he talks and the kind of filth that comes out of him all during the week. And he shows up at your church to sing in the choir on Sunday morning. Now, lost people see that. Now, he wasn't just being overly uh, judgmental of this person. I found out later that there were other people that could say the exact same thing about this person. So he wasn't just picking on a Christian that maybe uh, had an area of weakness that they that they had messed up some. Because we're all going to have areas in which we're not perfect and we can mess up. But this was different. It was beyond that. This guy was... He was claiming to be something that he was not living out during the week. And, uh, 
and, and it was a hurtful thing. And uh, he probably he probably had that effect on a lot of people because he was very vocal about, well, I'm a demon and I'm this and I'm that. And uh, and uh, it was it was a, a very negative situation. So Paul is trying to get to the people uh, here to understand this, and we need to understand the teachings concerning this in our own lives today. And we must be aware of the fact of what impact are we having as one who claims to be a Christian on the lost world around us. Okay, as Jim mentioned there in the tape, you can see that he's talking about being the best Christian you can be in the world. And that's not necessarily what we're after in terms of as we go forward with this. You don't necessarily need to be a Christian, but you need to be aware that if you're going to go forward with this and you're going to come around and help us do this, that certainly you've you're going to need to be a good person because you're going to lead by example. Uh, if you're out there talking to groups about how important it is to ban the box on felony applications for uh, employment, or if you're talking about the need to give housing uh, preference, not preference, but not to discriminate against housing for a felon, then you're not going to be able, you're not going to need to be the kind of person that's going to go out and do things that are unscrupulous and they do things that certainly don't cast a light on yourself. As you become that spokesman, as you become that advocate for us and for people who are still in the desert who are going to follow us out, we need to be that good person that does it. So if you're going to go out and talk to groups and you're going to help us, then certainly we don't want to see your name and the highlights of uh, Ada County Register and Ada County arrest record. That isn't what we need. We need you to live that life. We need you to take pride in that life. And that's really what will make this work in the long run is you'll become empowered as you go forward and do this. This will give you a new sense of purpose. This will give you a sense of accomplishment. Uh, uh, Certainly as people out there who are strong Christians understand that you're forgiven by your sins for what you've done. So don't hold that against you. Go forward and live this life as a good person, as a good Christian, and then help us change these things around. That's what we're attempting to do, and I hope that's what you see in terms of what uh, Mr. Atkins was sharing with you in the verse. If you want to hear about Mr. Atkins, Mr. Atkins, Jim Atkins is the pastor of a church called Common Ground Biker Church, and it does meet every Sunday at 930 in the Busted Shovel a uh, sports bar, if you will, in downtown Meridian. So you can check out Mr. Atkins online through YouTube. Just type in Common Ground Biker Church, and you can hear more of his sermons. There's like three years' worth of sermons on there. Or you can come at 930 and just kind of walk in, and you'll tend to see a lot of us, if you will, in terms of um, as you go forward. I'll tell you a story that I told the other night, too, that was pretty in, um, touching from my standpoint. Many of you know that I've been incarcerated in um for seven years, and I was a part of a program called Hope Community that was held at Max. It was a faith-based program, and that was almost 10 years ago. Uh, as I sat in church last Sunday, um, yeah, I was overwhelmed, and I think the people who were staff at that point in time would be touched to know that the person who was leading praise and worship in the church that day and five other people were in that same arena with me 10 years ago at Hope Community. I couldn't help but think of people that I respect and who are staffed there, like Brian Hammer, Gage Brock, uh, and some of the people who still actually work at the IMSI, uh, how touched they would be to see the efforts of what we put together and what we attempted to do for three years. And to see that, hey, that's pretty cool. Ten years later, several of us, a lot of us are still networking. We're all sitting in the same church together worshiping together in the same providence of uh, the effort to what they sought to do. 
So thank you for that. We were very fortunate this week to have Roger, who spent some time here at the station, come out, come out and act as deputy producer or whatever, and did some interviews. And that's so cool. He was going around talking to people. The first person he's going to talk to is a friend of ours named John. John, you will hear as he shares his story, a little bit of his story, has been in and out of the system. But listen to some of the issues that comes across in terms of his life. This is John and our roving reporter, Roger. And I'm sitting with John. John, uh, you've done a little bit of time. We spoke just a little bit ago. Uh, Why don't you tell me um, a little bit about... Maybe how much time you've done in the prison system and when you got out most recently and uh, about any violations that may have come up in the past. Well, um, my first stretch was five years straight. And then I got out for four months and I went back for another two years. I got out again and I did another three that time. And then I did time out of state also. Um, But I came back to Idaho and caught another charge. But... My violations were basically just simple drug possession. And um, what do you do? Uh, you said you've been out for a couple of weeks now. Uh, what are you doing now that you would consider that's going to be one of your biggest assets, one of your biggest benefits to staying out this time? Well, definitely my walk with the Lord is a lot better than it was. Um, I Actually, my, my last um, incarceration was my my real turning point, you know, and um, it's, I don't know what else to say other than I, I surrendered. <laughs> nice, yeah. And I know exactly how that feels. You just, you're just done. Um, what is one of the biggest pitfalls the, getting out? What, what's, what's the hardest part about getting back out into society and trying to make a successful run at it? The biggest obstacle right now and, and the hurdling block that I have is money. Um, you, you know, we get out of prison now, and a lot of guys don't have anything. You know, they lost everything they had, or, you know, they don't have family or people that, that can help them out. And um, in my situation, you know, I've got I've got friends that, you know, are helping me out, and they help me get what I need, you know. And, and uh, Pastor Joseph Evaneski, he he helps me out quite a bit, too, and uh, I'm, I'm doing really well. In your opinion as an offender, um, what could the Department of Corrections step up and assist with more with transitioning back to society and ensuring or at least not ensuring but perhaps making it a bit easier for guys to stay out well i think in my opinion um more treatment on the street um instead of locking people up for for nothing you know or or i don't want to minimize anything that i did but my uh my charges were were basically misdemeanors but i got felonies for them and um i don't feel i should have went to prison but i did break a law and the law says you know you've got to do time and that's what happened um i was really blessed with my sentence because the judge um you know could could have very well gave me a life sentence because i was a habitual offender and um you know she she saw grace and she gave me a really light sentence, so I was able to go do a program and come back out within a reasonable amount of time this last time. So, in your opinion, uh, treatment, uh, helping fight that battle of addiction and alcoholism and all of that might be one of the things that the department could help do the best. Definitely that, and um, I, I think a lot, um, a lot of help would come if there were more jobs. I mean, 
you know, I, I really don't know how to explain that one, but it, you know, the, the best thing you could have is a job coming out. I mean, you know, it's, it's rough out there right now. And, and when you have big gaps in your work history like I do, you know, and a lot of, a lot of guys do, it's really hard, you know. And you, you have to explain it somehow. And, you know, there are resources out there to help you do that. But I feel like if I would have had a month inside, and, you know, with, actual, with an actual job, you know, and then getting out with that same job, it would have been a tremendous help. Kind of hit the ground running, so to speak. Well, I topped out in 2009, and uh, I topped out from Ada County Toppers, and I had my job for almost two years at Red Robin here in Boise, and um, I was doing great. I mean, that, that whole year was, you know, that first year out was phenomenal. I mean, I had no problems whatsoever. As you can tell, John had certain lots of issues in terms of what he calls the streets in terms of struggling to survive on a daily basis. These are the things that we can identify some of those issues for support. There's support out there in various ways in terms of uh, wellness. Like in Ada County, there's Peer Wellness Center where people can go and drop in. There's computers there. That can be a gathering point for those types of communities. That would be an option for him. But basically what it's about, and if you've heard us talk on an ongoing basis, this is, a, this is an aspect of community. So John needs to develop that sense of community around him, be comfortable in that sense of community, and then go forward and actually uh, attempt to find it, seek it out, because it's not going to come to you. It is not going to come to you sitting in your room in a halfway house or in a hotel waiting for the world to come to you. It won't come to you that way. You need to really get out, get involved, find it, seek it out, and be aggressive to find it. The next person we've got coming up, too, that Roger talked to is a lady named Misty, and Misty's from Jim County, and she talks about a different—she's been out of the system for a while— and is struggling to kind of go forward. She talks about what's happening to her right now. I'm speaking with Misty, and Misty has shared a little bit of her personal story a few, a little bit earlier in the evening, and what I wanted to do was prompt you to recapture just a little bit of some of the things that we spoke about at the table. For instance, could you um, go into a little bit about what was tough for you finding employment and some of the hurdles or obstacles that you encountered upon coming back to society? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably one of the toughest things for me was being able to move forward. Um, It's been almost 15 years, and that holdup is still there because society doesn't allow you. Once you're labeled with that big F, you can't move on. Um, Not everybody in society lets you. And while it's easy for us to move on in ourselves, we can't always make the amends that we need to when we're held back. Amen. Absolutely. Um, what would you consider being one of the biggest blessings that you've had as a since since you've been out? What was been, what's been the biggest blessing or assistance that you've found to be impactful? Probably my current position. Actually, um, I work at a recovery center in Jim County. And so I'm able to use my own experiences. Um, I also um, urge to help people at this point who are coming out. I do classes in the jail. um, And I also am a mentor in the Free to Succeed program with the Idaho Department of Correction. And so I'm able to take my own personal experiences and apply them and create plans for people who are coming out, knowing firsthand the struggles that they're about to face. And so I think being in that position now... um, and being able to take something that was so dramatic 
in my life, I've been able to turn it into an absolute positive. And it's a reward beyond measures. Nice, nice. Um, from your perspective as not only someone that works with the department, but it's someone that was once housed by the department, and i am been there, done that, okay? Let's just be clear about that. Um, what would you like to see the department do more or do better or create that would be something that would impact that would just level the playing field a little bit what could the doc do i think having a plan and not just like the basic plans that they send you out with um having somebody who comes in and and does a a tailored plan to what you need and then having an advocate setting you up with an advocate and ensuring you have a support system um i understand that the 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 system itself is is extremely busy um but we're throwing so many people out there that don't have the resources in place going, okay, well, we're done with you, so don't screw up. Instead of setting them up to fail, they need to take the steps and put things into motion that will help them succeed. Um, so resources. I mean, there are a number of resources out there that they may not know about or may not have tapped into that could be a benefit to certain people coming out that they're not even going to know about. So I think a little bit more emphasis into into stopping a problem that they so much talk about. You know, they're they're constantly talking about we're overcrowded, we're this, we're that. Well, let's put something into motion that will help people instead of having the recidivism rate go back through the roof. Okay. See, as you can tell from Misty talking to Roger, it's a different set of of issues for her. She's been out. She struggled for a while to find something. Now she's found something that she's latched onto and she's doing well. Notice how she's working with others. And we talked about earlier that sense of community. She's providing support for other people and articulating what she's been through. These are the kinds of people you're sitting out there listening to my voice or you're in the desert. You're about to get out. These are the kinds of voices that we want. She's ripe for coming forward and actually sharing her story and helping us go forward. It's a very powerful thing. I cannot stress enough how as you tell your story and as you go forward, you become empowered. You become feeling better. You have a stronger sense of community. It helps you get out of the house and go forward, find people, and seek out with good people. That's the kind of energy we want to go forward and educate Idahoans on these issues that affect those of us who have been in the system and who are attempting to survive it. We've got a website, actually, uh, systemicchangeofid.org. Go to systemicchangeofid.org. You'll you'll see contacts from us. It's a new website. We're working on it, trying to make it better every day. Uh, We're going to get there. We're a little bit behind in terms of making that work. But go there. Check out what we've got. There's an email address where you can get in contact with us. Or if you want to give us a call, you can give us a call at area code 208-477-1006. Again, give us a call. Thank you so much for listening today. We look forward to talking to you next week on Victory Over Sin, sponsored by Systemic Change of Idaho. Thank you so much. Have a good day. I used to do it too. I used to-